Michael Ostlink here. Welcome back, Dr. Stuart Chavatsky. He is the author of Advanced Spiritual Intimacy. And we're going to be talking about his upcoming four-day spiritual retreat in Florida entitled Sangeet Bhakti Sadhana, The Heart Path of Enlightenment Through Sacred Music. How are you, Stuart? Good morning. Good morning. Since we're, our topic is music, let me just set a tone because the music one of the types of music we use um, is very, it's much more, it's much more able to convey if I just play this particular instrument for just about 20 or 30 seconds, and then we'll, well, we can talk about that experience. Yourself, myself, all the listeners had a very short experience of less than a minute. And you can feel it. <clears throat> Maybe I'll ask you, what, how would you describe how that sound ma now makes you feel? Um, actually, at first it kind of put me into a relaxed space. But uh, not relaxed in the sense of, of like finishing up a massage where you're just kind of loose and out of it but relaxed and, and open, and I could feel some energy kind of starting to slowly move through the body. So it wasn't like a sit-still, relaxed, meditative space. It was more like an open, energetic space, if that makes sense. Completely, completely. And I would guess many of your listeners right now had some degree of that similar experience. And obviously, it's a very simple instrument. It's a drone called a shruti. It plays a chord, and you don't change uh, the sound that it makes, like with almost any other instrument, it's a drone. You just continuously play it. So it's, a, but it's considered a um, a full-fledged instrument. Mm. And, and even though it just plays one tone, so we know we're stepping on the ground of almost a very different musical universe, where yeah, the effect is, as we were saying before, it's in the DNA. It's through homogeneously through all the cells. And a, a drone sound makes a lot of sense, that that will go everywhere all at once. It's not making the mind think about the music or follow the melody. You just feel it. And, and so uh, the instrumentation of, of Indian music all, will almost always have a, a shruti and a, or a tambora, which is four strings, uh, and, and it creates a drone. And so we're starting to feel, look, this is a very different kind of music. It's not like orchestral music with a hundred different instruments or a band where there's lots of melody. And the background is this ohm, 
and the ohm is considered very, very powerful. But how so? Well, it vibrates up and down the spine. It's like plucking the, the spine where a string of a, like a bass, uh, you know, a, a bass, a stand-up bass, you, you would be plucking it, it would make like an ohm sound. And so you're playing the physiology of the body more than the melodies that the ear, that would entertain the ear. And after that, of course, many other levels are built upon it in, in many traditions, uh, like in Indian music, where the sitar is you know, quite elaborate. But yeah, this was a, a very brief experience, if, and you could imagine uh, a, an hour. Listening to it for an hour, that 61st minute is going to be very different than the than the, the first 62nd minute. The, all the cells are like any, it's a bit like a massage, you could say. The vibrations go through your body, and after an hour of this, and then adding in other uh, voice, mantras, meaning Sanskrit sounds, a lot of Sanskrit languages also built the same way. It's to have a, a vibratory effect on your, on your being, psychologically, phys physiologically. And so those sounds, whether it's Om or Ram, others, other mantras, Shiva, their deities were often named based on the effect that the name had on your body. Hmm. So the sound Ram, <clears throat> Ram is like Ra is like sun, solar plexus, stomach, and Ma, ma sound is the heart sound. So Ra Ma shifts energy from the solar, the Ra. Ma, Ra Ma, Ra Ma, and many other elaborate ways that the mantras are constructed to sh move energy in certain patterns throughout the body. And then the feelings, when you start to add in, it's not just mechanistic sound, you feel passion or longing or tears of hope and, uh, or of sorrow. And, and anger even has a very particular way of being re-understood. I hope it comes across roaring, to oh, roar, okay, to roar like a lion. Yeah, you know that when you start to open up roaring as a as a bona fide emotional expression, it doesn't have a particular target, hmm. and this radically liberates what we call anger from having it to be about someone or something in order to raise your voice very loud. Interesting. Or to be alarmed you know, about something like get out of the way. You know, we raise our voice in Western, in most cultures, in a, a, when something upsetting is happening. But when you get more into what roaring is referring, it's just the sheer, it's almost a joyous pleasure of roaring. And so there's singing and laughing and mantras, and you start to feel, yeah, if I broke into dance, the body starts moving, but you're not. You're you're being moved. Mm. You're being moved uh, like like shuddering, like quaking. In fact, then you start to see that uh, uh, most all the religions. I've used the word quaking. The Quakers, the Quakers were quaking. The Shakers were shaking. And then you see belly dancing. There's about the women's the abdomens were just shivering. It wasn't really an entertainment. It was uh, uh, an awakening of the womb energies, which are obviously very powerful, and we don't know that much about in Western psychology about what I'm now talking about, the power of fertility, 
and 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 so the worship of the goddess and the sh shuddering of the uterus and the belly dance and then uh, what other tradition davening mm -hmm. in the in the jewish religion is the hasidic the orthodox practice they're praying like this they're rocking but it's when it's authentic you could say authentic the energy is going up their spine so quickly and with so much power it's rocking them and if Baal Shem Tov is the uh, historic founder of Hasidism and you can read in his diaries one day he was davening and he found he was thrown against the wall he was thrown halfway across the room and he was completely, you know, had awakened Kundalini, we would say, mm -hmm. from the Indian tradition. Shekinah, or the is it a Hebrew name for the, the Shakti, the, the, the spirit, that same energy, went up his spine, and, and, and he really was davening. He was being davened. And you see it in Islam, in Sufism and Islam, if you had a photographic image a filming of, of zikering Jews and and uh, excuse me zikering Muslims they would be rocking like this and doing their prayer and if you did this a video of davening Jews and you couldn't tell, tell by their clothing you couldn't tell the difference between the movements and you see it also in, uh, in, in, in um, Hinduism groups why would it be universal well, it's just the evolutionary energy going up the spine, the same uh, spine that is the core of evolution from monkeys to apes to Homo erectus, as they called the one stage in human evolution, when the, the, the monkeys were standing up more and the great apes, the gorillas, you could almost track evolution of our species on how much more the spine becomes upright. And there are lots of theories that talk about th that way of looking at, at human evolution. And then we're out looking this way, our, our, our brain can grow and our eyes can look straight ahead, not looking down at the ground. So this energy is going up and down. There's more after the Homo sapien. After Homo sapiens can be, you can name it what you will. Um, Nietzsche talked about an ubermensch, a, a, a very great type of human being that was generous and courageous and kind and 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 uh, could bring great things into reality you know and and inspire lots of people you know and and this would be um, <clears throat> a, a different kind of leadership and I like to think of it actually if I may pay you a compliment uh, I think you are a prime example you know because you situate your life in the, among the military the political but what you bring is holistic principles, mm. transpersonal uh, principles, which is a completely new uh, paradigm to bring into those uh, parts of our culture. Thank so you. It's, you're very, very welcome. You know, it takes a lot of courage to, like what I just did, play a simple instrument and, and say, well, how does it feel? Uh, it's, it, it's a new paradigm you know, could it, could it be laughed at? What was he doing? It's just one note. How could it be powerful? Is he, you know, BSing us? And I'll tell you one more story, and then I want to hear another question from you. Uh, because this, when I was playing for that 30 seconds, it was a very simple demonstration of this kind of music and, and the much more elaborate event in April 
where lots of music will go on. But just to begin with that, it reminded me of 1977. That's now a long time ago. It's, what, 40 years ago. Um, <laughs> I have to keep track of it all. But back then, yoga and meditation, they were, it was unknown. You have to really retrack. And But I had learned about it in 70 at Princeton and, and then thereafter with different yogis. And so I, I was quite um, knowledgeable and practiced in it when I was working in the jail system in Atlantic City in Atlantic County, New Jersey, in the juvenile justice system. And my job was to find ways to prevent, as they called it, juvenile crime. So I was in the police departments and the jails and the lockups and the runaway shelters from 72 to 78. And then I was in the homeless shelters doing the same kind of a work. But what I wanted to tell you was I wrote a grant. It turned out to be the first and only grant to get federal money to teach a meditation in a, in a, a lockup way back in 77. It's a long time ago. It was a long time ago. But this is the funniest story within that. <clears throat> I, I was being evaluated. My grant was being evaluated by a, 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 an evaluator from Trenton. Who, who drove down to Atlantic City, and the first thing he said is, "We're not going to fund it." <laughs> you know, and he, and he didn't understand. He said, "Medication." I said, "No, it's meditation." <laughs> and I, and then I, and he said, "Well, we can't. We're, this is too way out for us." You know, and I said, "Well, before you make your drive, you've got an hour and a half drive. It's hot. It's a very hot area of South South Jersey. Let me show you the practice at least." And he, he, like everyone else, had no never had any experience with meditation. So it was a big risk, like when I was playing the instrument, I could say. And so we went into a room and I had him close his eyes and just did this, inhale and exhale. With his eyes closed, in and out. And I had to watch him because people get nervous after like 30 seconds, a minute or two, they, they can't do it anymore. But if, if you don't do it long enough, nothing happens. So I'm watching what's the maximum he can he can take it. And after about no more than two minutes, I could I say, okay, now you can slowly open your eyes, but open them very slowly so you can keep feeling what you what what you were doing with your eyes closed. He opened his eyes and he said, I'll get you the money. Those were the first words that came out of his mouth. And I've been telling that story yeah, for 40, 40 years. Because it couldn't be a, any more beautiful of a story. The experience was minimal. It was with a completely unknowing person. But it, in two minutes, it was so uh, convincing to him that he put, in today's dollars, it would be about $75,000 of, of SLEPA, State Law Enforcement Planning Act money, federal money, LEAA, SLEPA money. Uh, came and, and I hired uh, um, some interns, such as yourself when we met. Right, I yeah, hired yeah. some interns uh, that were at the local college, and we went into the schools and taught meditation to kids who were being tossed out of class. They went to the together room, and we would you know, do exactly this simple meditation, and then we went into the lockup, and uh, that was a completely beautiful situation. So really what I'm doing now is taking that... It's a, my whole career has been a continuation of either that aspect of nonverbal, and then uh, also the verbal uh, side, which I can say also very simple that we've talked about before, okay. is this 
simple ability to say thank you to people a lot more than we do, and then to think about what they did for us. So when we say thank you, we can give words of appreciation that last for at least two to five minutes. Mm -hmm. What I found was if you say thank you, it, it's not like enough of it. It's like too small of a dose, and it doesn't. It has a momentary uh, effect on any of us, but it doesn't take that much more. Once I started watching a two-minute compliment, people's chemistry. I would, if it could be checked, if people could draw blood and, and re, you know measure the, the effects of whatever oxytocin, mm -hmm. endorphins, whatever the chemistry could be, the profile of these hormones. After two to three minutes the glands get the message something good is really happening like watching a movie after a half an hour you're totally into the movie you know after not a, a, a one you know 30 second movie is too quick so the verbal side was yeah how to give and then I found out people had to learn how to listen right, right, right. not used to being given a two to five minute compliment and we disbelieve what we're hearing so both sides of the relationship had to be helped along the, the people receiving it and how to say thank you rather than do you really mean it? Or in my case, you're saying it in a therapy office, but how, how do I you know, know you mean it? He's asking you to talk, you know, is it sincere? And, and I would just say, well, first say thank you. <laughs> it was a good thing, and they would say thank you. And then I would have the other person say, well, you're very welcome. And it was so mindless, I can only tell you from previous uh, interviews we've had, hundred, well over, close to 200 marriages and thousands of relationships in my 46-year career got way on better grounds. Three divorces got reversed, or they got remarried. Children have been born from these couples that would have never been born. It's just an amazing magnitude of unpredictable positive effects from such simple behavior as stopping to give a five-minute compliment instead of Oh, thanks. Oh, your hat looks really great. Where did you get it? You know, instead, you know, I've known you for, likewise, for like 30, 25 or 30 years has it been? Since 85, 86? You and I? Um, yeah. 93, 94? 93? Yeah. So what is that, 15 or 18 years? Uh, again, put me on the spot to do math. Uh, I mean, it'd yes. be like 22, 23 uh, years. Yeah, at least, you were a young, at least. You were a young guy. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. And, you know, when I see your life, what you've done with your life, it truly, truly, it blows me away. How well, would I know? We were just doing, you know, a small court, uh, a private tutor, uh, independent study, and now you've been in Washington for many years and, and winning the confidence of people, liberals, conservatives, military, non-military. You know, you, you're, you're a gift to us. Well, th that I that I greatly appreciate, um, uh, and I must say, uh, a lot of my work has been informed by our work that you and I have done together uh, in the late '90s, when when I when we were you know, I consider you a friend now, a friend and mentor. Back then, you're a mentor that eventually turned into a friend. Um, but you know, sitting with you all those t you know multiple sessions o over many many months and eventually into years. You really taught me the power of gratitude, of paying attention to the to very subtle thank you, the, like the the subtle the subtle possibilities behind the thank you and the gratitude, 
and actually informs my work today, even in my coaching work, gratitude is an important part of the way I work with my clients. So like, you know, you, you, you seated me <laughs> and uh, part of my work these days is an expression of our, our work together many moons ago. It's thank you, thank you for saying so. You know, what you might not guess because at my age, that's a, hearing these words helped me to complete my life. Mm. Because I think when we get to a certain age, you know, I'm, I'll be 69 in a few weeks, and this, you know, we're not here forever. But we like the feeling that what I was given, mm -hmm. I passed on, and it will live in your work, and it will. You're passing it on to thousands of people. They'll pass it on to their children. The, the couples that I passed it to, they're passing it on to their... So this beautiful feeling, it, it, and when we thank our so-called elders, <laughs> uh, it does. It helps us to age and let go and feel, yeah, the world is going in a good direction. So that's hidden behind your words of appreciation is that big impact on me. And I give that back to you, and then you go, <laughs> wow, I had no idea that I was like helping you you know, go into your retirement and into a grateful you know, a, a grateful dad, a grateful dad, <laughs> you know, I had no idea, and then I would see you smile again, and I would say, yeah, I'm glad I told you, because now you know you had a ten times bigger effect than you might have thought, so same thing, that's the verbal version, the music version is the same thing, these waves of, of pure sound, there's not, and all kinds of emotions are built into it, and then the broadening it out is more than just gratitude, there can be a, apology, which we know very little about, of how to really get it to work, and forgiveness, which is a very scary thing to give, because we don't know if a bad thing will happen to us again, and you know, and, it, and so it's a it, it's a lifelong involvement of growing and learning how to do better next time. So apology and forgiving is very it was sidestepped in Western psychology. It was thought of as religion. Mm. And was just kind of left out and filled with worry about guilt and all these kind of things. But to find out if when apology is powerful, guilt is dissipated. And forgiving is powerful, yeah, guilt is dissipated. And it, and, it, and it gets to be a huge subject. I can barely touch upon it in a, in a short interview. Right, 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 so right, right. And I was saying earlier is uh, roaring that the emotions of loudness in Western psychology are restricted to anger. Mm. So the only time we tend to be able to really raise our voice is if we're angry. And that means somebody is the object of that anger. And we get upset. The idea of just a loud, roaring sound is also new territory for Westerners. And the bhakti yoga, the, the retreat in April, and the work that we're doing is to include singing, laughing, crying, roaring, moving, and then being moved, like uh, the, the zikr, where the spine is being moved, like davening, where the Baal Shem Tov rabbi was thrown against the wall from you know so much energy going up his spine, and it created Hasidism, and Kundalini, which is now a, a well-known word, where all the yoga came because the energy was moving up the spine, and people were being moved. These are the charismatic traditions, Holy Rollers, Holy Ghost, Pentecostal. It's We see it in, in many of the rural religions where the people were closer to nature and these energies could come to us. In the urban environment we get a little too insulated, too much concrete, 
between us and, and the earth and the different value system. So we're trying to, yeah, go back. The, the retreat here is in the middle of the Ocala National Forest. I live on a dirt road. <laughs> That's a big change from where you used to live. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I had a, you know, a big giant house in the Bay Area overlooking the Mount Tam and the Golden Gate Bridge, you know. And now, yeah, but, but now I understand. People who live on a dirt road, they want it a dirt road. Because you lose something when you don't have the rain filling the the, the, the uh, uh, road and ha you, you don't see nature every time it rains. You've got gutters and sewage and all, and lots of other changes. So yeah, these religions that were in touch with those, the green, people are looking for the green because they're in urban environments where you don't have much. In the, in the country, you've got a lot of green. In fact, that's all that you have is a lot of green. And the spirituality, similarly, a lot of energy. So uh, your retreat, the Sangeet Bhakti Sadhana, is uh, April 11th through the 15th in Florida. Where can folks learn more about it, including besides yourself who's hosting it, who also be uh, participating or, or um, um, providing the music and other such things? We have Parta Bose flying in from India, who is just being celebrated for 50 years of playing sitar. In fact, it's just about next, next Monday, I think it is. He's being honored because it's such a rare achievement. And so he's coming. He's a genius, uh, world-renowned. And his tabla player, Indranil uh, Malik, the best quick way I can... He's been playing for like 42 years, since he was five years old. And he played with Miles Davis Electric Band. Wow. So that quickly tells you how good he is. He's won many awards. And uh, we'll have other vocalists coming and uh, the Amrit Yoga Institute here in uh, the Ocala National Forest. Um, and some up-and-coming artists, uh, Russ Mobley, uh, who's sort of sings spiritual ballads, will be with us. And you can, the best way is to reach me on Facebook. That's right, I do most of my announcements. Um, S-T-U-A-R-T. S O V A T S K Y. Uh, that can be, you know, you, you can just friend me and um, keep, keep up to date. Awesome. Well, sounds like an amazing uh, four days upcoming here, April 11th to the 15th in Florida. I uh, look forward to having a conversation with you uh, afterwards to hear how it went. I'm sure it'll be amazing for all the people in attendance uh, and for you. And uh, Stuart, it's always great to see you and speak to you and get caught up again. And uh, I'll talk to you soon. Take good care, Michael. Bye-bye. Right.